Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He's Danny. I'm Grant. This this is the fan. Thanks for listening to the show. Got myself a Caps cap last night. I've had a uh, another Caps hat I've worn all year long. This one, though, is the red cap with, like, the black eagle smack dab in the middle. Uh-huh. Love the old throwback retro gear. So it's interesting because it's red, and then that's the color scheme that didn't have red in it. Correct. For those old eagles. So that, actually, I actually think it looks pretty cool. I think it's awesome. Love that they did it this year. Caller number 10 right now at 800-636-1067. You are winning two tickets to the Wizards and the Raptors. Capital One Arena, March 2nd, 7 p.m., courtesy of Monumental Sports. Buy your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. One more chance today, one more chance this week to win two tickets to the Wiz coming up in one hour at 5 o'clock. In one hour at 5, we're going to talk to Chad Brown, former college teammate at Colorado of Eric Bannemi. He's now a broadcaster who had a lengthy career as an NFL linebacker. Let's get to our Beltway Blitz and get things started on the gridiron. The Defenders play a road game at 7 p.m. tomorrow night. Jake Russell's been covering them for the Washington Post. He joins us now. Jake, give us some deets on the Defenders matchup tomorrow evening as they try to get off to a 2-0 start. So, Grant, as you witnessed on Sunday, uh, the defense uh, lived up to the team's nickname and uh, came through in the clutch at the very end, uh, thanks to Danny's boy Ben DiNucci with the fumble with a few seconds left. Danny DiNucci. <laughs> yeah, so on offense, though, they struggle quite a bit, even with Jordan Tamu and uh, Derek King as kind of a timeshare at quarterback there. Um, they totaled 177 yards of offense, and uh, Seattle outgained them by about 150-plus. So that's not going to be enough in order to defeat the Vegas Vipers in their first road game on Saturday night. So, Jake, I, I think, I'm think i thinking more big picture in terms of the XFL in general and, and this league and, and the like. I got the sense the TV numbers weren't maybe what this round of the XFL w- was looking for. What can you tell me about that? Um, I read them briefly earlier earlier in the week, and I do not remember exactly what the numbers were. But I just what I read was that it was you know smaller on a game by game basis than last time around. Um, I'm not so sure that going in this time around that you know Dwayne Johnson and Danny Garcia and Jerry Cardinal, the owners of the league, are necessarily that worried about um, TV numbers right out of the gate. I think what they're worried about right now is just building something that you know is sustainable um, for now into the future, and then over time potentially, then the numbers can grow. Um, but I think right now what they're primarily worried about is the on-field product and, you know, and the fact that they can try to, you know, bring in people in person. So, you know, things are looking pretty good in St. Louis. They've already sold out the lower bowl and they've opened up tickets for the upper bowl in the, uh, the stadium that the Rams used to play in. So other markets have latched on to this team or this league so far. What do you make of DC's reaction? I was stunned by just how much defenders gear, there was at the opener, and it's not like everyone was just buying stuff as they walked in. They obviously had it from the last iteration three years ago. They drew, I think, close to 13,000 people are around there for the opener. 
mean, how, how did you feel about the crowd, the vibes, the turnout in game one here in D.C.? Yeah, I feel like most of the people who were there were the diehards from the last go-around, especially the people in the north end zone who uh, revolted when the uh, security kept taking away their beer snake, and then they just decided to make lemons, you know, take the lemons and throw them on the field. And I don't really know how good of a look that was, but that's how they that's how they represented themselves when they couldn't have their beer snake. But the fans were very passionate. Um, I was surprised that the number was as low as 12,000, but I was thinking, you know, could it be there was a Sunday night at 8 o'clock and people don't necessarily want to drive in D.C. on a Sunday night, even though that Monday was a holiday? Um, that's something that I was thinking about. But the energy there was, you know, as if it was filled with 20,000 people. Like the 12, It was about 12,438, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, and it was like it was 20,000 people there and it was filled. The fans that were there were very into it and they were following every play. And then at the very end, of course, they had a, a big reason to celebrate. Yeah, a lot of folks out of town, too. I, I know in my uh, social circles, I, I couldn't find anybody to hang out with uh, over the course of that weekend. Um, how does it get bigger here in D.C.? Because I think the people that are in are in, to your point, Jake. What's the next step in terms of growth? I think a lot of it is just word of mouth at this point. I mean, a lot of the advertising that the XFL has done has either been commercials on ESPN or a lot of social media promotions and posts for each team and posts from the league. And I think a lot of it will just depend upon you know, fans from each fan base in each city to, you know, tell their family, tell their friends to come to the stadium and enjoy the games. And, you know, I listened to your show on Monday and I heard the reaction from the fans who called in. They said they had a very positive experience. I guess they're so just traumatized from not having a good experience with the NFL team in town that they just didn't have good expectations going in. But when they went, they had a great time. And I think it takes a lot of that and a little bit of time to kind of to build a fan base. And, you know, from what I understand, some people just weren't even aware that the XFL was even back, which as someone who follows it is, is pretty surprising. But um, I think in terms of, you know, building it from grassroots, I think that's important to, you know, fill the stands. The Rock was in the building. I know you were there as he met with the media. Anything mm-hmm. come out of that? Like, what, what did he have to say about weekend number one? Because that was the final of all of the opening games. Yeah, so they did a little whirlwind tour. They had the three Texas teams hosting games uh, this past weekend, and then their final trip was to Audi Field in D.C. And, um uh, Dwayne described it as an electric atmosphere in DC. And, you know, they, he just, you know, basically talked about how when they went through the markets, he said that the passion was already there. And I guess the beer snake was a big factor in that, in that North end zone, the fans just reacting to every play and just being into everything that's going on on the field. Um, it wasn't that hard of a decision for him to, you know, put a team back in the city. And he, you know, him and, and Danny Garcia also described how much they enjoyed the city and how much they love coming back whenever they come back to the area. They always have a, a, a good time. So, um, yeah, it was it was important for them to bring the team a, a team back to D.C. Jake, thank you as always, buddy. Have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. You guys have a good one, too. Thanks, bud. Hit that Capitol sounder, Darius. All right, Stephen Wino covers the Capitals, AP hockey writer. Swino, last night felt like a low point, huh? Yeah, it wasn't great. You can't lose to a last-place Anaheim Ducks team uh, uh, less than an hour, really, uh, after trading two players, Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway, and not have kind of that sinking feeling. I mean, it's been a while around this franchise since the Capitals have been sellers at the trade deadline. Just the fans booing, uh, booing the home team kind of off the ice a little bit at times. Uh, yeah, just the dark days we know are ahead, but it felt like one of those last night. Orlov, Hathaway to Boston, three picks over the next three years come back. Break the trade down from both sides for us. I think it's a GP. I think it's a good trade for for, for both these teams. I mean, the, the, the Bruins obviously get a little bit of snarl, some size, some toughness, toughness in Orlov and Hathaway, guys who who can be disturbers on the ice and kill penalties and do all those sort of things. 
They already are the best team in, in hockey right now. Could have one of the best regular seasons in history. And, and the Capitals get assets that they could probably use sooner than later to get better sooner than later. This is picks now, uh, a first-round pick, and some more, where Brian McClellan might be quick to flip these, these picks because, look, the future really doesn't matter to this team. This is about the next two or three years, and Alex Ovechkin breaking the record and, and holding on and trying to contend for that time. That This gives the, the Capitals the start of this draft pick capital to work from from now to the deadline next Friday and in the offseason as they try to kind of make a quick reset. I would be – well, let me, let me rephrase this, Swino. I think more guys are on the move here. I, I don't think that's going to be the last trade that happens. Who is on deck? And I guess, A, do you agree with me? And, B, who do you think – who else might be moved? Yeah, every, everyone who is not signed through for next season is a, a possibility to move. And I'll tell you, gentlemen, the, the practice today was one of the weirdest kind of situations I've ever been a part of with this team because they haven't had a lot of this over the years. Uh, Lars Eller, Marcus Johansson, Connor Sherry, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Eric Gustafson, Nick Jensen – they're all pending free agents. They could all potentially be traded by next Friday. Now, there's a good chance it's not all of them. They may not all have trade value to contenders, but they have reason to believe someone like Nick Jensen and certainly Lars Eller, who was a face-off guy who kills penalties, obviously has Stanley Cup experience from, from winning in 2018 and scoring a big goal in the, in the final in 2018. Contenders see that and, and say, Capitals probably aren't going to resign these guys for next season, and, and they're going to be true rentals. And, uh, it was kind of a surreal mood around the team right now, knowing how few of these guys might ever play a home game in Washington ever again. Steve Wino of the Associated Press with us on Grant and Danny. I told Danny yesterday I would bet right now on the Capitals to make the playoffs again next year. I view this as a reload of expiring contracts. They actually have more flexibility and cap space this offseason they've had in a long time. They can reshape this thing around Ovi, who's going to score goals, and, uh, you know, Backstrom is, is not what he once was, but they'll have Wilson, and hopefully Oshie can stay healthier, and, you know, we'll see what happens next year when you get Connor Brown back and they've re-upped with Strom and Milano. What's your thought on that? Well, if they get Connor Brown back, he's also was a, was a rental player too, but I, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think they're going to be in that conversation again next year, and, and it's, it's hard to, to kind of rebuild an entire or rebuild an entire roster around a core like the Capitals have. That is aging. And they're, 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 we've known this, we said this for a couple of years now, one of the oldest teams in the NHL with Oshie, Wilson, Backstrom, Ovechkin, John Carlson. But you're going to get a healthy John Carlson back. You're going to get Tom Wilson and Nicholas Backstrom further away from their surgeries. No one's getting a, a, a day younger uh, anymore around this team. But you're right. There, there's the option now of, of taking all of this cap space and kind of resetting this team. We've seen the St. Louis Blues do it. We've seen the San Jose Sharks do it. You take one step back during a season. Even the Capitals did it in 2013-14. The Adam Oates year and, and George McPhee was fired. Barry Trotz and Brian McClellan uh, given the job. And they were able to make the playoffs a year later. This franchise has shown the ability to do it. It's a little challenge, more challenging with those guys older now. But you have the goaltending in place. You have a number one defenseman in place. You have Alex Ovechkin obviously still there. There's room to maneuver, and I still think it's probably a 50-50 shot of, of making the playoffs next year, but they're definitely not going to be out of contention. Any chance that guys that aren't free, pending free agents are, are moved? The, the only one of those guys who would, who I think would fit that bill is Anthony Mantha, and he's dealing with an, an upper body injury right now, uh, and, and 
they, the Capitals don't think it's going to be a long-term injury. I know there are uh, at least a couple teams around the league who have sniffed around the possibility of adding Anthony Mantha. And I think the Capitals, given kind of the limited returns they've gotten from him so far, would certainly be listening to a move. It's just a non-starter if any team says, hey, would you want you like to retain some salary for next year? Brian McClellan's not going to do that. But if any team's willing to, to do that for Anthony Mantha, I think he'd be the one guy who's under contract beyond this year who could go. Steve Wino of the Associated Press with the latest on the Caps. The sell-off appears to have begun. I was there last night. It was another tough game where they just couldn't score goals, lost to a bad hockey team. Swino, thank you, buddy. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. All right, let's complete the blitz. On the gridiron, the commanders. Matt Paris of the Washington Times joins us to put a bow on today's blitz. Matt, let's start with the enemy presser yesterday. What would you think? Well, I thought it was really impressive. It felt a lot like a head coaching press conference, which that's obviously been the focus of the enemy. Why hasn't he been able to land a head coaching job? But he seemed very poised, uh, came in with a clear directive of what he wants to do and how he wants uh, his guys to play. And I was impressed that a lot of players showed up for it. Maddie, to me, I, you know, with all due respect to Bienemy's press conference, and I'm with you, I thought it was uber impressive and I liked everything about it. Jason Wright just sort of casually talking about, yeah, before and after uh, a, a sale, an ownership change. I thought it was just unbelievable uh, in that regard. Go into that for us. Yeah, you know, I didn't know if I wasn't in that scrum part of it. I didn't know if he was talking about the before and after of the transition of the franchise itself in terms of the culture change, but he did acknowledge that a sale is happening, that it's going to go forward. It, you know, he didn't really couch it with, oh, it may or may not happen. Uh, you know, it, he was pretty tight-lipped on it. But, yeah, it did seem like there, was, there wasn't there was nearly the amount of secrecy with uh, is this going to happen or not. So I guess that was notable to see. Also, I don't think Dan Snyder's name came up yesterday. To me, I, that, that yeah. is telling. Right. It, it didn't in the sense that, you know, the enemy didn't thank the Snyders or Dan Snyder or Tanya Snyder in his opening remarks. Uh, Ron Rivera did say that he did consult with uh, the Snyders and Dan Snyder in particular about uh, the waiting for the enemy to become available. But besides that, yeah, the, not that many mentions of him. Uh, just was that in the presser the, yeah. or was that off to the that, side? That was off to the side. Yeah. My thought was, cause I just watching like what those of us that weren't there saw of the podium, yeah. like you right, never no. heard his name. And for a coordinator who's right. going to be making millions of dollars, I don't know. I just thought that was weird. Strange, like, yeah. Ursay's running the press conference, right? I mean, sure. they're, yeah. yeah. so it, it was just strange, I thought. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, he hasn't been around since uh, the last time we saw him publicly was uh, the just for a second um, with a, the commander's rebrand. He made those opening remarks. 2-2-22, two, 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 baby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, although I guess we did get the cameo with his uh, with yeah, his frosted yeah. tips on the field in Dallas. Is it going to take a picture, guys? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, staff updates. Eric Bieniemy. He's probably now got to get to work and interviewing some people and, and kind of filling things out. What do we know? Yeah, Drew Terrell is out. He went to Arizona. He was the wide receivers coach. Uh, Jim Hostler, who was a senior offensive assistant, is gone. It sounds like um, you know they're, they're going to. They've been interviewed a couple other people around the league, maybe to fill a, a new quarterback's coach, Ken Zampezi might be shifted to another role if he stays on staff, but he's under contract uh, still. So things are pretty up in the air right now. Rivera said yesterday that uh, they hope to have it settled by the combine, which is next week, but they might not either. So they're, they're taking a little bit more time with this, but it seems like the enemy is going to have a few of his guys on staff. 
there was so much consternation about what Eric Bieniemy did or didn't do in Kansas City, the power he had. Do you think that matters at all, really? Um, I think it matters in the sense of how he calls plays. Like, is he a natural play caller? How does that uh, kind of pan out over the year? I'm not necessarily worried about that. If it, I mean, if his insight is anywhere near the level of what the Chiefs offense was, you know, he's been credited with, uh, you know, great designs, attention to detail, being able to push players hard. So if his reputation lives up uh, to how he's been in Kansas City, then I don't really think it's a problem. The Sam Howell question here is kind of amazing. I was talking to somebody that, that's not a uh, Washington fan uh, yesterday, in fact, and he was saying, you know, this is such an essential must-win for Biennium just to prove that all the doubters were wrong. For Rivera entering year four, are they really going with a guy that's thrown 19 passes in his NFL no. career? Right? No. I mean, and that when no. you put it that way, it's a pretty big leap to take, huh? No, no it seems so. I mean, I think there are some advantages of trying to build around how, you know, taking advantage of his rookie contract, trying to build out the rest of the roster. But that doesn't really scream, you know, win that. We, we have to win now in year four for Rivera and for Biennemi. You know, it is, it's really, it's just kind of like uh, striking to hear Biennemi going from, talking about going from Mahomes to Howell. At one point yesterday, he was talking about Sam Howell's baseball background. It was like, wait, no, I thought Patrick Mahomes <laughs> was the guy with <laughs> the baseball background and, you know, his dad playing in Major League Baseball. So, you know, the enemy did, was pretty complimentary of how it wasn't It wasn't anything like Rivera's opening press conference a few years ago where, um, you know, he was very much kind of Dwayne Haskins has to prove it. Um, you know, the enemy did talk about competition, but he was, he was pretty high on how uh, itself it seemed like they were kind of all on the same page there. Should we start the rumor that J.P. Howell, the longtime reliever with the Rays and the Dodgers, is Sam Howell's dad? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. He, I think he's yeah, uh, he's 39. I don't know if the math works on it that. It doesn't, but let's not get well, caught up in specifics. Well, yeah. Howell is 22. I mean, uh, yeah, 17. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Early start to fatherhood. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Matt. We appreciate you, buddy. Have a good weekend, dude. Be good. There's Matt Paris of the Washington Times on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. Next, speaking of Eric Bieniemy, what do you care more about right now? The fact that Washington may have finally found an answer to upgrading their offense after years of struggling or the developments on the sale. If you get to track one of these, if one of these things goes really well, Sale, offense, what do you care more about today? Hearing about the enemy, hearing about Bezos' involvement. Want to take your temperature on this next at 800-636-1067 on Grant and Danny. Why not Washington? Look at all the talent. Look at the players that they have. Okay? Look at the guys that they, they, they have on defense. So I'm excited about this opportunity. I've known Coach Ron now since 1999. So relationships mean something. I've known Coach Mayhew for a number of years. And that means something. I've known Mr. Stokes for a number of years. And so I have no doubt about what they're building here. Obviously, they went to the playoffs uh, in the previous year. So they were basically real close this year of going. So 
I'm never, I have never, ever backed down from a challenge. So I'm embracing this challenge. I'm fired up. I'm excited. I'm excited when it's time to start talking ball with these guys, to start getting to work. But when it's all said and done with, why not Washington? That is Eric Bieniemy, your new offensive coordinator. We're Grant and Danny. This is the fan. So I'm going to reshape the question because I think going into the break, I may have said, what's a bigger deal? And it pretty much goes without saying. The ownership change, if yeah. there is one, a sale is a bigger deal. I think the better way to ask it is just what are you more excited about? And from a consumer standpoint, mm-hmm. there's only so many stories you can read, segments you can listen to, only so many things you can click on. Are you consuming this moment today? What are you more interested in? The Biennemi breakdowns, the stories about what he's going to be in Washington, or the Bezos and ownership stuff? If you you get to a fork in the road. You got one click. You drive left, you get all your Biennemi content. You drive right, you get all your Dan Snyder might sell what's going on with Jeff Bezos storylines. Where are you driving? 800-636-1067. You know me. I, I mean, I've been this way since the first time there was a, the slightest chink in the armor for Snyder. It's that. This is this is the next 30 years of fandom. This is going to determine if I ever take my kid to a game or not. This is not a, a, a season or a week or a month or an offense or a, a little tiny blip in the history that is my fandom of this organization and this team. I'm, I'm excited about Eric Bieniemy. You could tell. I'm in a great mood about it. I think it's awesome. It's a coup. He's probably here for a year. I'm going to be here for decades, God willing, and I want my kids to care. I'm not bringing them to a team to a game by a team owned by Dan Snyder at a terrible stadium. We get something new in here. There's a different, a different uh, specter of things. We could have that conversation. That to me is the story. You go from having no chance to a chance like this. That's the bigger story. Yeah. So we come at it as from different angles based mm-hmm. on I think just kind of how we interact with the organization at this point. Whereas you are. I wouldn't say checked out. You watch all the games and course, you're yeah. a fan. But you're, you're checked out as a consumer. You mm-hmm. won't go. You don't spend money, whatever. My kids are – my boy is two. My girl is three going on four. They've both been to FedEx Field multiple times, including once to a game when they wanted to see Major Tutty. The mask get, guy. Get revealed at halftime, right? Uh, they'll be at more games. I, I don't want to sit in the crowd with them, so it ends up that, you know, unless I can get a sweet ticket or find someone who, who's got a cool place to sit – they're probably not coming with my wife, who's a season ticket holder. Uh, I'm in the press box, but that's just because it's not really a family atmosphere. There's too many drunk people screaming mm-hmm. and doing terrible things, and we suffer fools way too much in this society. Uh, that's another soapbox for another time. So I can't really just have them come to a game and just sit in the 400s at this point uh, at, at three years old, and nor should I. I mean, it's no one else's problem that, that they can't come to the game yet. Mm-hmm. I say all that to say, though, I go to every game. So – Nothing's at stake for me if Dan Snyder sells or doesn't in terms of like actual changes starting next year, as an example. Will I see points? That's at stake. Will I see first downs and yards <laughs> and exciting football and an offense that can actually move the chain? So for me, I guess right now, this moment, I am more in on the enemy thing. I also think here's the difference. You've had a sea change in how you think all of this is going to go now in the last 48 hours. Yeah. This has been a revelation and a big deal. Again, I kind of feel the same way I've been feeling. Like, this is just another log on the fire. Now it's the biggest log that's been thrown on, and the Mm -hmm. fire is blazing in a way that it hasn't previously. I'm excited. I think the the ball moved closer to the goal line yesterday, for sure. But the enemy is the thing I didn't see coming, right? The enemy is the thing where a month ago I would have said, Eric, the enemy's not coming here. 
you kidding me? Yeah, he's, I did say that. He's going to leave yeah. the Chiefs to go to the Commanders? No way. So I guess if I could drive today to, to get all of my content and read all of my stuff, I would go down uh, Biennemi Lane, not Bezos Way. Let's go to Edward in Arlington. How are you? Doing well. How are you gentlemen doing today? Good, dude. Good. Look, I think the sale of the team is a foregone conclusion, and that's in the and for that reason, I'm more excited about the enemy. Look, this is a, a tremendous opportunity that the, that the commanders capitalized on. Look at who they're getting. How rare is it that an offensive coordinator from a Super Bowl winning team? All right, phone's breaking up. Phone's yeah, cut out. Th- this this was my biggest reason for excitement for Biennemi. This should not be happening. He should not be available to have this role for this organization. What should happen, or what normally happens, the normal course of events is he's got he's got to not only be your head coach, but you probably give him the same stuff you gave Ron because he's got his pick of the litter. For some reason, some stupid reason, he is available and willing to accept this post, which frankly is beneath him. He is overqualified for the gig. Hell yeah! If they'd gotten a quality control assistant to be their OC, the same role that Scott Turner had for three years, then I'd be over the moon. This is Eric Bieniemy. What what a coup it is that this team has him. He said something that kind of resonates with me. I think this might actually be part of how I feel. Um, if you're just joining us, the question is: What are you more interested in consuming? What content do you care more about right now? When you turn on the radio. Do you want to hear about the enemy? Do you want to hear about the sale? 800-636-1067. So the sale's the bigger deal. Again, obviously. As Danny said, from a grandiose standpoint, like that is the rest of the organization's history. That's decades of possibility mm-hmm. versus the enemy who might be here for 10 months or whatever. I wonder if this is part of it, though. What the caller just said makes sense. The sale's going to take place. That's how I feel. It's inevitable. Again, my opinion. It's not happening imminently. It's not happening tomorrow or the next day. There's nothing I can do about it, by the way. I'm just a spectator waiting for word. But we're several months into a process that could take several more weeks, several more months. Sure. We're still waiting on some other balls to, to hit the ground here. Whereas the enemy thing is new and it's fresh and it's kind of sudden. And it is an unknown. Like, I have no idea how this is going to work out. Is he going to be a head coach in a year? Is their offense going to be great? Is their offense going to be bad and this is the reverse car wash, and he leaves here worse off than he came, and, and everyone gets fired in a year, and now he's a quarterback's coach somewhere, which would be awful for this guy. Like, th- There's more intrigue to me, I could go down as being wrong, on Biennemi as far as the sale goes. I kind of think, while we don't know all the specifics, who lands the team, when it happens, I'm in camp, it is happening. We know that much. So maybe that's part of why I feel how I feel too. Dave's in Reston. What's up, Dave? Hey, Sue. Thank you for taking my call. Sure, bud. Uh, I got to say, Mr. Bezos taking over the team is the biggest thing. And here's why I'll tell you why. We've had general managers a lot that have sucked. We've had coaches that have been marginal at best. We don't have the talent. We have a great OC that we snagged. God bless him, and I wish him all great success. The reason this team has lost its luster and its heritage was Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder's gone, so I'm more excited about Mr. Bezos coming in. And I really wish that 
our Eric, our offensive coordinator, has the best of luck. He doesn't have a lot to work with right now. Well, he's got some weapons at the receiver position. They got some good nuts and bolts, I think. They got some decent players at running back as well. Uh, he was using like the the past tense of Dan Snyder is gone and Bezos is here as if something had happened. Not quite yet. Not quite. All we know is Jeff Bezos has hired a firm to do his due diligence. We're hoping that a bid is next. Let's go to Jimmy in Columbia. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, boys. Uh, so I I definitely care about the enemy. Uh, the only reason uh, I, I'm still I'm leaning the ownership way that I care about more. Sorry, that's my daughter crying in the back. Uh, she's she's going to miss Dan. Emotional. She's going to uh, miss Snyder, she's, yeah. yeah. She, she's a fax girl. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> She is. She is. She is. It's funny. So the only reason I care at all about the enemy thing is the timing of the sale. Um, If this was four years ago, I would say, okay, all right. Uh, I hear you, dude. Sorry, boys. (laughs) Don't go, man. He's like, oh, this is tough. You think we haven't been there? Been there and done it. I was there this morning. I told you when I came in here, maybe you weren't in. Who did I tell this? My son, oh, Darius, my son was up last night all night. Yeah. That's not like, oh, my son was up a bunch. Uh-huh. He woke up at 1.30. Mm-hmm. We ended up watching multiple movies on the couch. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go throw the ball in the basement. He thought it was four in the afternoon. It was two in the morning. Two in the morning. He, I don't know why. I don't know what happened. He just wasn't tired. He just decided. He, he came into our room. Not at, today, Dad. At two in the morning, and he goes, his normal routine is to cook scrambled eggs with my wife, and then he eats his breakfast. Time to go make eggs. I said, no, 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 not no, yet. No, no, it's nighttime. We just went to bed. Dad just got to sleep an hour ago. He got home from the Caps game, and he finished up the Murdoch murders, and he just got in bed about fifty-seven minutes ago. He didn't care about that. We watched Sing Two. We watched Trolls. We watched a special holiday Trolls. Uh-huh. And it wasn't like let's. I'll I'll be asleep next to you. He's crawling on me. He's. He wants to be tickled. Uh-huh. He was wide awake. Wired. We, we had those friends who do, like, you know, because the first 19 months of my youngest life, he didn't sleep through the night once. Yeah. Think about that. that. I remember those stories from you. They were. You just was, hear their words. But it was it's like, like scared straight, though, yeah. you know, for I'm younger and behind you in life with kids and stuff. And it was like you taking me to jail and yelling at me like, right. you could be me, man. And everyone's like, oh, I'm sure. But we anyway, we had we had we had these friends of ours. You know these people that like just make it sound like it's so easy. They go, "You know what we did is we bought a traffic light. And when the light's red, he knows that he's not supposed to leave his room. And when it's green, he's we set the timer on it. He's allowed to come out." And we're like our son would destroy that thing in the first 7 seconds and come out anyway. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like he's not he's like, "Oh, the rules." He doesn't care about the rules. I want to reshape this a little bit for the people on hold and everyone calling in at 800-636-1067. If Biennemi, which is a slam dunk hire, isn't the needle mover that makes you say, I'm looking for the EB content over the sale content, how about this angle then? Is there anything football-wise this offseason that could happen that you would say would be more exciting to you than whatever happens with a sale this offseason? Oh, interesting. Like... A quarterback, an Aaron Rodgers trade, or or something like that. Is there anything that could happen, football-wise? Just something wacky, Lamar Jackson or some... Or you're saying football doesn't matter right now. Dan Snyder's gone, potentially. Who cares about the quarterback? Who cares about the coaching staff? They'll come and they'll go. 
ownership. Is it that simple? 800-636-1067 on G&D. You're listening to The Fan. Uh, the thing that got me fired up was when he ran in on that touchdown. He flexed, so that was some good stuff. <laughs> Eric Bieniemy liked what he saw from Sam Howell in Week 18. I wonder, you know, how much film study he's been able to do, a practice, more importantly, just of that game. I would like to think before taking the job because it was a marathon interview session. He watched a lot of film and, and gave some thoughts on Sam Howell. But I like that he referenced the powerful run for a touchdown in the flex. Yeah. Because it did show a little moxie, some demeanor. I know I liked kind of how he carried himself in the game and how he reacted to some of his big plays. But specifically that play was telling, you know, I've gone on record. I want to see him running the ball. I, I, I don't need him to be Lamar Jackson. But I do think part of what could make him an average NFL quarterback this season, and if they're average at quarterback, they're going to be – Good on offense. They're pretty good. They're good on offense. They'll be a winning team that could make the playoffs. I think is having him move around, and it sounds like the enemy liked that part of his game. Yeah, so it's it's less straightaway sprint speed that Hal has. It's kind of like a little bit of change of direction, a little bit of wiggle, a little bit of power to it. It's basically like, you know, if, if it's third and four on a play breaks down, he can get you six with a little slide. I, I think there's value there, certainly, and, and I you definitely could tell that the enemy had seen that. Question for you guys is anything going to end up feeling as exciting to you as the possibility of a new owner as far as the football operation this offseason? Is that just unequivocally the biggest storyline? No matter what they do, no matter what what quarterback decisions they make, what free agents they bring in, is does the offseason begin and end with a Snyder sale or lack thereof? Scott is in Silver Spring. Hey, Scotty. Hey, fellas, how y'all doing? Man? Hey, man. I was very, very surprised and happy with the enemy hire, but nothing in this world would make me more happy than to see Dan Snyder. So Dan Snyder is the antichrist, and he has driven this franchise to football hell. And thinking that Aaron Rodgers or somebody hoping that he would come here is only because that weirdo would probably somehow get along with Dan Snyder. So I – Dan Snyder going selling is the best thing that could happen to us. Good news for you, Scott. Thank you, dude. Aaron Rodgers is out of his silence or darkness retreat. Which one was it called? Is it a darkness retreat? Yeah, there's like ayahuasca, something like that. That's just a drug. Was that the word? Although Aaron Rodgers gets very upset when people call it a drug. He says, it's actually just medicine. It's not a drug. It's a plant. It's natural. Immunized. So, okay. Uh, That's the plant, I suppose. But no. Ayahuasca has nothing to do with anything. Oh, okay. Uh, the darkness retreat, that was the four days he spent in a small room with, like, a bathroom getting food given to him through a little mm-hmm. mailbox or something. Mm-hmm. Solitary. He's come out. He's out of solitary. So he's got some clarity now. He's good. He has gotten new clarity. I think the Packers have since upped their season ticket prices, and the speculation is maybe he told them he's ready to play for them. But uh, I'll, I'll wait on more details from old A-Rod. From old A-Rod. Let's go to Paul in D.C. Hey, Paul. What's up, Paul? Hey, what's, what's up, Grand Danny? First okay. of all, I'm just going to say right off the break, there's nothing more important or getting me more excited than to get an owner in here, especially Jeff Bezos, because the truth of the matter is we've had three of the greatest coordinators on our staff, and still the owner messed it up, whether that was 
Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Kevin O'Connell. Like, we've had our fair share of offensive coordinators who were Al Saunders or whoever. But as long as that man upstairs is it, and I'm going to tell you why Jeff Bezos is the biggest uh, thing for me, because I want a new stadium. I want a different game experience. And he has the money to make that happen. More importantly, we won't have to necessarily deal with a whole bunch of politicians because either they're going to say yes or he's going to buy them out to make them say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody knows how the world works. He's going to ship them via like... Amazon Prime somewhere else. No matter who the new owner is, they're getting a new stadium. Now, if you want to tell me the stadium will be better if Bezos is behind it because he's got more money Makes or sense to different me. ideas, I would agree with you. I think Bezos, and this is why I'm hoping it's Bezos, Pretty simple. Money, buddy. That's it. That's the whole deal. He's got more cash. You, you want to lure Sean McVay away from his ESPN gig in 10 years? Bezos can pay more than everybody else. You know, you want to spend more in, in scouting and more in analytics? He can do that. All you got to do is sign that check. Will he be willing to? I guess we don't really know. But there has never been an owner in sports, even in the, the ballpark, the, the stadium, sorry for the pun, mm-hmm. of Jeff Bezos. Like, everyone's talking about how the, the Major League Baseball offseason was turned on its head by Steve Cohen with the Mets. Steve Cohen can't hold a candle to Jeff Bezos. What is Steve Cohen worth? I don't know off the top of my head. I was thinking maybe like $5 billion. Does that sound about right No, it feels you? like it should be more than that. Steve Cohen net worth. Uh, I'm going to say $33. billion. it says here. On so Google. not what I said at I all. Mean, I don't know. This is the first Google thing I found. This says $9 billion. Point of the dude's story is, Jeff Bezos, we're talking about hundreds of billion. Mm-hmm. There's never been anything like this. So the idea that he wouldn't spend on something is kind of laughable. You go from 32nd in your facility to first. You go from 32nd in your practice bubble and everything else to first. Everything that is not capped for the purposes of keeping the league even you now you have can the win. best. The example I use is he re- he's a he's a nerd like me. He really likes Lord of the Rings. They spent an outrageous amount of money to acquire the rights to make a certain tiny fraction of like a, a one millionth of a percent of a Lord of the Rings show. He's like, I love Game of Thrones. I don't, I'm going to do this Lord of the Rings. I don't care what it costs. And I said, okay, Mr. Bezos. He said, shh, I don't care what it costs. They spent a billion dollars on the show. What show was that? Uh, the Rings of Power. On Amazon Prime. See what I'm like, Is that sh- any good? I thought it was pretty good. Some people beat it up because they beat up everything. But, but that's not the point. The yeah. point is. The point is it was epic and huge he and ridiculous. He the thing, and so he just, that was his sale, uh, his sandbox that day. Yeah, he goes, I don't care what it costs. It, it costs them hundreds of millions just to have the rights to begin to make something. And then they made it, and it cost like a billion dollars. That's the point. Like, the, when he decides he's in, he went in. He's Danny. I'm Grant. You're listening to The Fan. We got one more pair of Wizards tickets to give away today. We're going to give them away right at the top of the hour here at 5 o'clock. If you want tickets to see the Wiz and the Raptors on March 2nd, you got to be listening. Plus, Chad Brown, who played college ball at Colorado with Eric Bieniemy, now a successful broadcaster covering the NFL, joins us next right here on Grant and Danny. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 